The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. seated. Way back in the year 1509, there was a, a, a grand celebration held at Westminster Abbey in London. This event, this grand event, was held for the coronation of King Henry VIII. He was 18 years at, uh, at that time. He was 18 years old. And he ascended to the throne because his father, King Henry VII, had passed away, had died. This grand event was marked with much fanfare and pageantry. It was led by trumpeters who played music and uh, who played music and announcement to the king, the arrival of this new king. Trumpets and trumpeters have been long used. In fact, they've been used for centuries as a means of announcing someone's presence. The loud, clear sound of a trumpet can easily cut through the, the ambience of, of an event and make the the announcement heard. There are many people that we know and that we love who would who would want to be uh, who would want their her, their presence announced. In fact, they would want their presence announced and known by a trumpeter, you know, to sound your presence. I mean, wouldn't it? Can you imagine when you walked in and they said, Manny's here? And then go, bup, ba -da! How awesome would that be? Now, that could be prideful. In fact, for many people, that is prideful. But I just uh, what I'm trying to, to say is that the trumpet has been used for many reasons, and that is for one, to announce someone's presence. And there are many people in the world that are very prideful, such as King Henry VIII, as we find out later. And in all this pride, magnanimous things that are going on that he tries to do, he wants people to praise him. Praise him. He indeed would be considered a people pleaser. By the way, if you're trying to be a people pleaser, that in itself is crazy. You're never going to please everybody. You, you might be lucky if you please somebody. The incentive for somebody to be a people pleaser is to garner the attention of others for the things that you're doing, the things that someone is doing. 
Now, what I want you to understand is that there's nothing wrong with doing things for other people. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with helping others. Indeed, that's a beautiful thing. But for kingdom people, kingdom people, that is you and me, us, kingdom people, our motives for doing the right thing, for helping people, for doing righteousness, has to be focused in the right place. Our righteousness must be focused, and doing righteousness and doing the right thing must be focused on God and only God first and foremost. Our focus for doing anything right, your focus and my focus for doing anything right in the world must be focused on God. We do it for the glory of God himself. I want you to, to know, and Jesus in our passage wants us to realize that being a God pleaser rather than being a people pleaser. He is calling us, God in our text is calling us to be a God pleaser, not a people pleaser. God, Jesus wants uh, this uh, to to to, to we, he wants us to do this. He wants us to be a God pleaser rather than a people pleaser for some glorious reason. And for a lot of us, a lot of us Christians, we may not may not ever have looked at it this way, but that's what this text is talking about. Christ wants us, kingdom people, Christians, you and I today to be a God-pleaser so that we can obtain a reward, a God-reward. Let me say that again, and that's what our text is about. God, uh, God Jesus is talking about being a God-pleaser and focus on, focusing our lives on pleasing God so that we can obtain a reward or rewards from the Lord God Almighty himself. This evening, we're returning to our sermon series of kingdom living in a foreign world. And our main idea today is that Jesus wants his people to be rewarded by God for living a righteous life dedicated solely to him, solely to God. Therefore, we must be God-pleasers, not people-pleasers. Think about it. If you are a God-pleaser and you live your life to please God, that means you're going to do things that are charitable. You're going to be a loving person. You're going to be a giving person. Because you're doing it to please God. And what happens? What goes coincide? What coincides with that? You become a people pleaser too. But that's not why you're doing it. Now, certainly you, 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 uh, you're happy that, that people are being helped. But the focus, the focus has to be on being a God pleaser. And that's what Christ is talking about. And as we return to this sermon series, we're returning to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the critical issue on, uh, uh, in our passage today is on living 
the righteous life in a foreign land, in a foreign world. And that, that means that the, what's the foreign world? This world is foreign to us. If you are a Christian, you are a kingdom, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. God has you here so you can live a righteous life, a God, to be a God pleaser in a foreign land. Some people would say in a combat zone. And to live your life as a Christian, a God pleaser, in the eyes of God, in everything that you do, everything that we do. You recall, as we get started and we get back into the, this sermon series, you recall back in the fourth, the fourth chapter of this gospel, Jesus begins his ministry on earth. Yes, the, the kingdom of God has been ushered in because the king has arrived. The king of glory, the king of kings is on the scene. He is on earth. He is walking this planet. Jesus demonstrates his kingly arrival by doing God things. He does God things on earth. Look at all the things that God that Jesus demonstrates that he is the king of glory when he's on this planet. He does he performs miracles. He heals the sick. He controls the weather. He exercises demons from people. And he raises people from the dead. Jesus demonstrates his arrival, or the arrival of the kingdom of God, because the king has arrived, and he, but it, so he demonstrates it by his own presence. We know that the kingdom has arrived because the king is now here. He is on the scene. Now listen, this is not the final kingdom. This is not the final kingdom which is still coming and will be consummated at the end of the age when Jesus returns in all his glory, bringing forth a new heaven and a new earth. That's not come. That's not happened yet. That's still coming. But don't be confused and don't misunderstand and don't let anybody else tell you that the kingdom of God is not here. It is here because the king has arrived. He has arrived in his first visit. This is the kingdom of God in the here and now. And the king was demonstrating his godliness. He accomplishes all these things to show us a glimpse of what the kingdom of God is going to be like in all the miracles and the miraculous signs that he, that he does. He does it to give us a glimpse of the kingdom of God that is still coming. This is the reign of God in a fallen world. Can you imagine? When Jesus walked this earth, it was God reigning here on earth, here on this falling planet. And everything that he came in contact with was impacted by him. And we have been impacted by him in all the world, all the world. This is the reign of God in a fallen world. This is the king doing kingdom things, as theologian Sinclair Ferguson describes it. The king doing kingdom stuff when he walked this earth. While doing all this, Jesus calls his disciples. 
He goes around and says, follow me, follow me, follow me. And those disciples started following him. He started building his discipleship. There was, there was eventually hundred, over a hundred at first or more. And that included men and women. And they followed him. Even up a mount. And after, when he gets up on the mount, he begins to teach them. He begins to preach with them. That is why it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, remember, we've talked about this before. Jesus is preaching and teaching to his people, to his disciples. Only his disciples. Now, there are other people that are there watching from a distance saying, golly, you know, look at all those people gathered there. Listen to what he, oh, he's saying. It's incredible stuff. These are, these are just regular people from the world. They're not his disciples. Well, Christ is not talking to them, at least not directly at that moment. He's talking to his disciples. He is saying this. That's why when he said, when he, when he talked to them, he gave them the characteristics of what it means to be a, a, uh, a kingdom citizen, a kingdom person, a God pleaser. And he starts off with the Beatitudes, which talk about the, the characteristics of being a Christian, a disciple of Christ. He goes on teaching them about the world. He speak, again, he's speaking only to his disciples and not to the world. The world has taken these teachings in fact, there are people in the world that will use some of his teachings. They will distort it because it, it, the, the teachings of Christ, uh, there are people that will say that they love the teachings of Jesus. They just don't believe he's the son of God. They just don't want to follow him. But his teachings were great. Well, he's not teaching to them. He's teaching to his people. He's teaching to you and me. So now he teaches them the Beatitudes, and now here in chapter 6, Jesus speaks about what our righteousness, our righteousness should look like. Please understand this. Understand what your righteousness, our righteousness should look like. The foundation of our righteousness should be established on our here it comes on our relationship with God himself. Our righteousness, that is living the right life, living your life right before God, our righteousness must be established on our relationship with God himself. What does that mean? That means you've got to have a relationship with God, with Christ. You have to have a relationship with him. Now listen, some of you said, hey, I received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Savior because he's saving us from the condemnations of hell, eternal damnation, Savior. <clears throat> some people receive Christ for that reason, and they forget about the Lord. He's also a king. So you're receiving Jesus because he's saving you. Hey, by the way, hey, don't forget. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So he commands, he demands, he demands his people, he commands his people to live the righteous life, a life that is right before the eyes of God. That is what's involved. That is what 
that is the foundation of what it means to live a righteous life. <clears throat> this is the point of what Jesus is talking about in our chapter, this whole chapter, chapter 16. Jesus is talking about our righteousness that is demonstrated, here it comes, here it demonstrated in our giving, almsgiving, and in our prayers, and in our fasting. That's what he talks about in this chapter. And we're going to get to the last two later, but the first one is what our text is about. Giving, almsgiving. Almsgiving means that you're giving to the needy, you're giving to church, you're giving to help the world. Hey, this world has fallen. That's right, it is fallen. And in this fallen world, there's suffering going on. There are people starving. There are babies hurting out in the street. There's all types of suffering. And so we are to, 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 to be a part of that. We are to engage in that as Christ followers. And part of the way we do that is almsgiving. Now, he talks about prayer and he talks about fasting, but this is part of the way you do it. You, you help. You help people for his glory. See, you're a God pleaser. And who benefits? People. People. So here in our text, he's going to focus primarily on giving God to, to give, to the almsgiving. Again, it is all grounded, all grounded in our relationship. Key word, relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with Christ? Do you? Well, I know him, Pastor Manny. I know who he is. He died for my sin. I, I want that. I, I received him. Now, I know he's Lord, but I'm saved. I'm saved because I received him as Lord. True. True. But because of that, you submit to him. <clears throat> you submit to being obedient to him. You submit to doing what? You submit to living a life that is pleasing, pleasing to him. Hi, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about this? You're doing something and you're going, you know what? This borderline's on sin. Now, okay, it's not a bad sin. Everybody's doing it. You know, the world says it's not a sin. But I know I belong to King, to the King. I belong to Jesus. You don't know. I don't know if I should do it or not. Here's what you do when you run across a, a, a question like that, when you run across an issue such as that. You ask this question, ask yourself this question. Is this pleasing to God? Is what I'm about to do or what I'm doing, is it pleasing? To God Himself. If watching this video or this movie, that's a good show too. Fast and Furious type stuff, right? Uh, it, I've never seen it, so I, I threw that out there. But you know that, okay, there's some action there. Now, I don't know if this is not there or not, but let's say this movie has pornography, nude scenes, and Oh, yeah, yeah, that's in that movie. Yeah, I know, but I'm really watching it for this. 
I like the plot. It's a mystery. Oh, but in the back of your mind, you know there's an obscene pornography coming up. And you know that's coming. And not only that, throughout the whole dang movie, they're cussing and cussing and cussing and cussing and doing stupid things. Is that pleasing to God? He's sitting right there next to you watching this movie with you. Is it pleasing to him? If you think it's pleasing to him, go ahead and do it. And see if you can live with your conscience after doing it. Now, we all struggle with things like that. We do. That's com We're in the combat zone. People are saying it's okay to be the world. It's okay to be like this. It's okay to be like that. People pleaser. Oh, you know what? People say it's okay. People pleaser. I'm going to please people, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. But that doesn't please God. It, it, it's not pleasing to God. So what do you do as a Christian, a true Christian, a God believer? You've got to do something that the world does not like. You have to reject it. Turn away from it. Be a God pleaser. Be pleasing to him. Do something pleasing to him. Because you're glory bound. You're bound. You're heavenly bound. That is your motivation. Well, okay, let's back up. What is your motivation to be a God pleaser? What is it? What is our motivation to be a God pleaser? Well, we already said it. You're glory bound. You're saved. And no one can take you out of Christ's hand. No one can. Not even Satan. You're saved. The question some people have is, no, I know I'm saved. Oh, I know. Well, there's a couple of issues that come up. If you're living a life, if you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, he's it, I'm saved, I'm heaven bound, but you continue to live your life the way you've always lived it, sinning, sinning and doing everything you've always done, nothing has changed. You can say you're cussing, you hang around the wrong crowd, doing the wrong things. Your conscience, if you're if your glory bound should start bothering you and you start saying, your conscience should be telling, asking you, hey, I thought you were glory bound. I thought you belonged to Christ. I thought you belonged to Christ. How come you're doing this? How can you do it? You belong to Christ. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, but, but I'm saved, so I'm going to continue to do that. See, that's a question. When you're, when you're having that dilemma, you've got to worry about if you're actually saved. Now, it is God who gives you grace. It is God who saves you. So you're saved, but you're wrestling with yourself now. You're making that transition. You are a new Christian. You are fighting with yourself. The spirit of the Holy Spirit in you is fighting with your spirit. They're battling against each other, and the Holy Spirit is going to win. Now, some of us are very stubborn. We're going to put up a good fight resisting. But when you finally submit, oh, the blessings that you will encounter, and that's what's going on in our passage, the rewards for being a God-pleaser. You, If you're a new Christian, you've never felt them. To live the good life, to live the blessed life, 
of being being rewarded by God. These are rewards, not of merit. We can't earn them. These are rewards of grace. Grace. God's grace. It's beyond our imagination. It's beyond what you think it is. That's when you feel that you're kingdom bound. But see, what you have to understand is because if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you call out to Christ with your lips and your heart, then you must believe in his promises. And his promises to you are you're saved. You're saved. You're not going to lose it. You may not feel it. You feel like, God, you know, you know why you don't feel it? Especially at first. You know why? You're dirty. Look, I'm the one that committed those sins. You're the one that committed all those sins. You know you did. And you did them because you wanted to do them. You did them on purpose. You wanted to sin because it felt good for you or whatever reason. So now you're hearing the promises of God and you're being told by God's promise you're saved. And you just don't feel it because you're tainted. Allow yourself to just say, I trust God. These are God promises. They cannot be taken away from you. Submit to him. Submit to being obedient to him. And allow him to bless you. That's what Christ is talking about. Allow him to give you these rewards. Look, if you're, if, Christ, if God is there at that plant and I'm over here, well, the further away by sitting I get from him, you think I'm going to be blessed or feel him at all? But if I come to him and he's coming to me, the closer I get to him, the more I will feel blessed. Because how can we not? How can we not feel blessed? By drawing nearer to Christ. Our motivation starts with the promise that we are kingdom bound. That being a pious, righteous, living a righteous life, Means, I mean, it doesn't mean we're kingdom bound. God's promises mean we're kingdom bound, but by that we live a pious, righteous life. Be God pleasing. We're not being pious. Hey, Manny, every time I see Manny on these, he's carrying a Bible with him. He's very pious. That's a show. Unless it's real, and I do try to carry a Bible. You know what? I do carry a Bible before I go. I do. It's on the phone. I got hundreds of Bibles on that phone. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not doing I mean, you should not be doing this for show. You're doing it because you read it. You're doing it because you get into it. You're doing it because you think, okay, what was that passage? And then you go back and you're trying to memorize it. God-pleasing. God-pleasing. You're motivated because you're kingdom bound. You're, you're, you're involved. But there's more to it than just being kingdom bound. And that's what Jesus is getting at. You're kingdom bound. You're God pleasing. There's more. Jesus wants you to please God. To live this righteous life. To receive rewards. To be rewarded. The Bible speaks about rewards everywhere. 
There is a there, there are rewards here on this side of glory. They begin on this side of glory and they continue to the other side of glory in the in the kingdom still to come. God's gonna give us crowns to wear different crowns for our for our righteous living and being obedient to him, to focus on him. You're going to be saved. Everyone there in the kingdom of God is saved. But there's a mystery, and it talks about it all the time, to run this race, to stay focused on living a righteous life that is pleasing to God. And by that, you get rewarded on this side of heaven by blessing, by living the blessed life, and on the in the kingdom to come. And those are through crowns. How God is going to do it, how it all works out, I don't know. But we're going to be rejoicing. In fact, we'll be rejoicing for others. We'll think we'll see somebody else wearing this glorious crown. We'll go, man, I knew it. You were like, you inspired me. You're the one who led me to Christ. You were devout. You took a beating on this uh, in this fallen world because you shared the gospel with everybody and everybody hated you. Kingdom bound. So you're, you live this righteous life because you're kingdom bound. You're a citizen of the kingdom. And when people look at you, hey, man, there's something different about this guy. He is a citizen. And the other reason is what Christ is talking about today. Because you, because Jesus wants you to receive these rewards from God himself, from God. That's incredible. I mean, think about that. Think about how incredible that is to receive these righteous rewards. Jesus speaks in our passage. He's, he's telling us, he's telling us that we're going to be rewarded by God for living a righteous life you will be rewarded for living a righteous life. Now, the world is going to condemn you, but God will reward you for living a righteous life. These are rewards of grace. We see Jesus speaking, speaking about that in verses 1 and verses 4. Our Lord Jesus wants us to practice living the righteous life. But what does practice mean? It means that you do it over and over, that you live it. This, this is, you're engaged in this every day. This is how you live. Not just in your religious, spiritual life, but in the what? The mundane, the mundane life. What's your mundane life? Well, that's the life. How does that work? That's the, the life over here in the world where everybody knows you. That's the mundane. And God wants you to live the righteous life in all aspects of your life, oh, to live. Because God is everywhere. God is watching where you're at. He's watching what you're do doing wherever you may be. So the supreme principle of living the righteous life is our relationship to God himself. That is the supreme principle. That is what we're guided by. That is what we must do. Theologian Martin Lord Jones says this, he says that we, we always should be apologetic for making such a statement. And yet, the greatest cause for all our, our failures is that we constantly forget our relationship with God. Think about that. The reason we're, we're failing 
The greatest cause for our failure is that we're constantly forgetting our relationship with God. And so we need to be reminded. So we ask God, we pray for that. We remind ourselves, we get into scripture, we surround ourselves with other people that can help us in this walk, this walk called the sanctification walk, a sanctification, our sanctification. This process of being made holy. We as Christians should realize that our supreme object in our lives, your life, our lives, is our relationship to God and pleasing God only and pleasing Him always in everything we do to please God, to please God, to please God. If that is our aim, aim for that, okay? We fail, we stumble, we get up, we repent, we're saved, we keep going. We're going, see, we're trying to end the race. We're going to end the race. We're trying to win it. We're trying to gain the reward, the prize. We don't stop. This has to be a part of your characteristic, your very character, the character of who you are in your daily life. Jesus speaks about this in our chapter. But let's get into real quick what, what he's talking about. He talks about our almsgiving. In fact, some of your Bibles may talk about almsgiving where, it's, where it should say righteousness. But then he gets into almsgiving and, and giving. Giving. Giving to the needy. Giving to the church. St. Stephen's Chapel is what a God's, it is God's church. Giving. To God's church. By the way, if you give to St. Stephen's Chapel, this church, you're giving to the needy, you're giving to the poor, you're giving to the hopeless, you're giving to foreign and local ministries because our church tithes, we, we send out gifts to help people in need. We, we, we send out gifts to help organizations that shoe, the, uh, shoe and give socks to the shoeless around the world. So I would say that giving to your church is where it all starts. And from there it goes out. Now, that is, that's an interesting thing because he doesn't touch on that very much. He says, God, Jesus says, when you give. Now, now what does that mean? Well, it means that he, he's not saying, if you give. He's not saying, if, hey, if Manny, if you give to the church, would you? Manny, if you got extra money, would you give to the church? Because they're helping people. That's not what this is saying. He's saying, when you give. When you give. You don't sound the trumpet. Hey, look, I'm, I'm going to give $20. I'm going to give $1,000. Yeah, and you want. And you do it right there in front of everybody. So everybody can see right there at the offertory. That's like going, bah, 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 man, he just gave, whatever. That's not what, <laughs> who are you pleasing? Who you, who's, who you want to get the attention? People pleaser. You do it to please God. And you're not trying to hide or anything. Just throw it in, just go about your business. It's God's money. Listen, God doesn't need any money. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. He's got a universe. So why would God want you to tithe, to give? Why? 
Now we're threading on some holy, sacred ground for people. This is some sacred ground for our many Christians who don't realize they have an idol. This is the last area where Christians have idols. They don't want to give up this idol, their idol. And sometimes it starts by, sometimes it starts by, okay, now I am suffering. We're living, there's a lot of suffering going on, financial suffering, and God knows that I need every penny that I have in my bank account to make it. God knows that. So you know what? I know God wants me to keep it. Okay, so what if you say, uh-uh, that's his money, and he knows I need help, and he knows how much I'm struggling, and he loves me. He's going to take care of me. Right off the top, I give a tithe. I just, it's not even mine. Hey, the government takes a big old chunk of your money. Oh, but God can't. Oh, no, this is my money. No, 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 no. Right off the top. Don't even think about it. And you know what, pray. Say, this is yours. Thank you for blessing me with it. I just give you my first fruits. I belong to you. You, I belong to you. Trust him. The Old Testament talks about, hey, trust him. And he will open the store, the windows of the storehouse of heaven to bless you. But see, that's kind of where, where we have an idol because we, go, we don't want to give it up. We want to spend money over here. We give a lot of money to these hobbies we have. And we want to go out and eat, and we want to do all these other things, and we spend money over here. Well, see, when you tithe right off the top, guess what you're going to do with the rest of your income? You're going to say, you know what? That's out. You know what? That's out. That's out. Stuff that you didn't even need. That's God-pleasing, because you've got rid of an idol. You've placed God back where he belongs instead of having this other thing that you had up there. And you will be blessed. You will receive a reward from God. And you keep going. It is okay to say, to, it is okay to want a reward from God. That's okay. He can give you that. Not selfishly, not self-centeredly, because you, but to glorify him. To glorify him. Everything you do, to glorify him. And that's what it's talking about. And, it, and Jesus talks about these, these people that, the people that well, the people that were well to do, that had the money to give, to give, and they wanted everybody else to know, I'm giving. Uh, look at me, I'm giving. I am holier than you because I'm giving more than you. And it's that sounding the trumpet. And you know what Christ says in our text about that? You're doing it to get the attention of the people. You have been paid in full. You're getting the attention of the people, and it's over. You're not getting anything else. You're not getting anything from him. But if you do it in secret, if you do it to glorify him, and not to glorify yourself or anybody else, then you will be rewarded. That's what Christ is talking about. That's what he's, that's what he's saying to us. So let's ask the question. Are you more of a people pleaser than a God pleaser? Why should you care? Why should you care? Because eternity lies, your eternal destination 
relies upon that. You're called to be a God pleaser. You're called to please the Lord and focus on him, to have a relationship with him, to celebrate him and only him. And by that, you are blessed. By that, you will receive rewards of grace from God. That is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is telling us he wants his people to be rewarded by God for living a righteous life, dedicated solely to God. And to do that, you have to be a God pleaser, not a people pleaser. Let us pray. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.